Welcome, everyone, to a brand new Ian Hates Conversations. My name is Ian, and I'm very excited because my special guest on this episode is Garrett of Lost in Separation. They just released their deluxe reissue of their debut album, Sister Moon, through Pale Chord. This is one of my recent favorite albums, so I hope you check it out. We'll talk more about Sister Moon and everything Lost in Separation right after I give you a taste of Sister Moon with the track Windburner. Enjoy.
Right, everyone and welcome back i am very excited because i am here with garrett of lost in separation garrett how are you doing today hey i'm doing great man how you doing not too bad at all now we just had a little introductory you know conversation off air so i know you're in dallas right now how did today go you went to warp tour right yeah man i did and it was a lot of fun uh got there pretty early uh, got to see Wage War and Hearts Wake, Dayseeker, nice. and a couple other pretty good ones. So it was a lot of fun. Very cool. Now, it wasn't because of the show that you left early, right? Because I would think there might have been some other bands that you wanted to see as well. I mean, there were definitely uh, a lot of bands I could have stuck around for, but at the end of the day, man, uh, it's hot. You know, <laughs> um, uh, some of the bands I had seen more recently, I kind of just thought, you know, hey, I'll catch them next time. But I mean, overall, man, it was a lot of fun. Now, what do you think about? Warp Tour ending in general. Were you a fan? Like, that's probably not the first time you've been, I'm assuming. Right. Yeah. No, I've been going uh, pretty consistently since around 2008. Oh, very um, nice. A couple breaks here and there. But um, overall, um, it's it's kind of a big bummer. It's like the end of an era almost. Um, the way they're kind of phrasing it being like, oh, this is our last cross-country Warp Tour. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of makes me think that they might have something else up their sleeve, maybe a rebranding, maybe a, a, a shorter, different season type right. tour. Um, either way, I mean, it's, it's, it'll, it'll be something that I'll always remember kind of a bummer. We never got to play it, but, right. um, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, whatever happens next. No, very cool. And I think that's a good way to put it because yeah, when they keep on saying last, you know, full country tour and everything, it does seem like maybe like maybe a festival is in order like something like that and you know i bring up dallas because i'm a huge fan of texas i live there in san antonio actually and i actually miss being in texas every day like i really (laughs) Really? oh yeah i am living in boston i hate it here and i want to move back to texas so bad and last year i was doing official press for so what i don't know did you get a chance to ever go to that oh yeah so um uh, in the past, I've been in bands, um, and you know we've pretty much always played. Um, so what? Um, for like the last uh, 
five or six years that they had it, yeah. Oh, very nice. Wait, what did Lost in Separation play so what last year? So unfortunately, Lost in Separation did not get the chance to. Okay. Um, they kind of, just like Warped Tour, they put a pause on the festival, which was like a big bummer to me because I also felt like that was another festival that was like part of my growing up, like yeah. seeing all my favorite bands. But um, if they had it last year, I don't, I don't doubt that we would have played it like for a second, but um, no, um, my older projects played it. And then I actually filled in um, for a friend's band called Sunsleep. Um, oh. And the last time they had the, the festival, it was a lot of fun though. Okay. Then that's the one I was talking about. Sorry. I didn't mean like this year as in the one that they, you know, they canceled or put on postponement, whatever they want to call it. I meant right, the year right. before that's the one that I was doing official press for. And I love so what I love what they do with that festival. So maybe maybe Warp Tour will do something similar. But what oh, I also I hope so. yeah, and what I also enjoyed so much was that I had actually never been to Dallas. So flew down from Boston, went to Dallas, and then went to that. I'm sure you're very familiar the Deep Ellum area. Oh yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I fell in love with it. I thought it was awesome. So tell me about. You know, Dallas, like, are you from the area in general or did you recently move there? How'd you come to Dallas? So uh, I was born and raised in Dallas. Um, so I've been here my whole life pretty much. Um, and I can say, you know, it's been kind of cool to see uh, the transition in Deep Ellum. It used to be kind of like a really uh, happening, like bar and music scene kind mm -hmm. of declined, got really sketchy and shady. Oh, and it's kind of started to come back over the last few years. So like when you came and saw it, it was like in its prime or it's like in its prime again, which is ah, really cool to see. Yeah. Um, a lot of cool bars venues there and overall, like just a good vibe. One of the things that I really enjoyed about it was I don't feel like at least in this area where I am in Boston, the nightclubs, like the clubs that actually have concerts, there's a couple of good ones. But in general, they tore down a lot of the ones with like an actual history and when I was in Deep Ellum, it seemed like there was another venue, you know, every other block. And each one oh, had, yeah. yeah, like its own story, its own culture to it. What's your favorite venue to play? Oh, dude. So Deep Ellum, there, I have like a tie between like two favorite venues. So like if we're doing like our like kind of like smaller club shows, um, Trees, like all the way. Okay. Um, did you get a chance to see that while you were in town? I went through it but i didn't actually gotcha. get to see too much so what what makes that one more special uh kind of like what you were saying just like the history behind the venue like nirvana played a, sh a sold out show there before they blew up very which cool. was like really cool mm -hmm. um otherwise like pretty much all my favorite bands have um come through at one point or another and played there oh it's great the cool thing about it it's called trees because like the supporting pillars in the middle of the venue are like old trees and you right. can like see the bark on them and stuff. No, that's very cool. No, very nice. What was the other one that you said? Cause you said you had a tie, right? Right, right. Uh, the other one would be bomb factory. Um, that's a larger venue. Okay. Um, and I've pretty much only had the chance to play that, like kind of opening up for like festivals, like all stars and stuff like that back in the day. Sure. But, um, it's a beautiful venue, amazing sound system, just like trees. I do believe they're actually owned by the same people. It's oh, like okay. the staff is usually the same as well. And, um, Overall, like I feel like of those two venues, they kind of always treated us like really well. Uh, that being Lost in Separation or an older project that I've been in as well. Oh, that's great to hear. No, that's awesome. So sorry. Obviously, we go on tangents on the show. I I don't know. I just miss Texas so much. So 
Anyways, let's get to some actual music talk because I'm very excited to talk about this. So, Hell yeah. you've got Sister Moon, which is your debut. Now, I always get this kind of confused. So, when it came out in 2017, was it considered an EP or a full length? All right, so I'm glad you asked that because, uh, and I hope everybody's listening right now because <laughs> uh, we get asked this question a lot and it's always a fun one to clarify. We, okay, so technically it's 45 minutes, so that technically classifies as an album, but by itself, without the deluxe edition, it was just eight songs. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a lot more songs up our sleeve, ready to go. Uh, We're writing and um, recording right now. So it kind of, we kind of treat it as our first EP um, in just the sense that like, you know, it's, it's, it's a fewer number of songs and we're kind of uh, progressing. That was kind of like our first go at it. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I guess you can kind of call it either one, but uh, I like to call it an album because it's 45 minutes. That makes the most sense to me. Absolutely, yeah. It's 45 minutes and no filler. The initial release of Sister Moon had eight tracks, and now you're going to be re-releasing it. And obviously, we are recording this before it actually comes out. comes out on July 13th through Pale Chord, and you're going to add on to it two more tracks. You've got Ghost and bury me and then also an acoustic version of winter sleep yeah that's correct i have had the the pleasure actually of listening through you know with the new tracks and everything and i love it it is really really great and i'm really glad that you're doing this re-release in general thanks man yeah i'm really excited about it too um i feel like you know, like I kind of stated earlier with our sound progressing, mm-hmm. um, I feel like this is the perfect place to put, you know, the two new songs are putting out as well as uh, the winter sleep acoustic. Cause I think that really fits, you know, that, that older vibe that we like we had uh, kind of previously. And so, you know, I, I'm really excited about these songs. Um, um, really excited to put them out. And that makes total sense. So let me ask you this then you're excited about putting the two new songs out, the acoustic version as well, obviously, were those tracks, were they done previously or did you do them specifically for this re-release? Um, so they may have been like skeletal ideas, um, you know, around the time that we were recording the original eight tracks for Sister Moon. But mm-hmm. um, we kind of went full force and revamped them um, kind of long after we actually put the album out. Ah. So, um yeah, I think it was about February, March uh, of 2018 that we actually sat down and decided, all right, we are gonna finish these songs and we're gonna we're gonna make them on the re-release. Right, right, right. Okay. And now the re-release in general is that because now are you signed to Pale Chord now? So um, it's kind of like a it's a different relationship than like a say like a label. Uh, and a band it's more so like a distribution platform Ah, so uh where a a signed band may get um you know financial backing for recording slash like tours and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um it's kind of more of a relationship where they just help us distribute help us get our name out there and then ideally help us get to that next step ah okay so now you have this relationship with pale cord where you can go ahead add the extra tracks in get more attention you know get more people to hear what you've got going on, and then you can still decide, hey, do we want to do you know, the next album independently, or do you shop around for another label? 
Right. And, you know, the, the, the end goal is, you know, to get um, like a solid label deal, um, solid tour lineups for the next, you know, God knows like year or so after that. But um, yeah, uh, I'm re- we're really fortunate and really thankful to be working with Pale Cord and mm-hmm. our management team in general. It's like we have a solid team that's yeah. backing us and trying to help us, you know, get to the goal or get to the like the end goal. Right. And you're a pretty new band, if I'm not mistaken, right? When did the band actually form in its entirety? So uh, we kind of formed out of a couple pre-existing bands in the local scene. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew and Josh were in a band called Telos or Telos, however you want to pronounce that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they were kind of a really progressive gent, like almost like Mashuga meets, you know, Veil of Maya type band. Sure. And uh, I was in a band uh, called Harbors. We kind of were going with that whole like architects, Northland sound. And, ah, sure. Uh, Ryan uh, was a close friend of mine and he was doing all the video work for my old project. And then as it turns out, you know, uh, you know, bands don't always last forever, unfortunately. Sure. Um, so we, both our bands kind of had rocky situations and some of our members, I was texting uh, and messaging Andrew. We were exchanging demos and stuff like that. It just kind of worked out that my project fell apart right around the time. Um, they decided they were going to part ways with their singer. Oh. Um, so we spent the next year or so writing and recording in secret. You know, everybody kind of thought that both of our bands had fallen apart and that we weren't doing music anymore. Right. Then we uh, pulled in Ryan like literally like three days before we went and shot our first uh, music video for Windburner. Oh, wow. We brought him into the mix and we're like, Hey, you want to be in our band? Like, cool. And like, I, I could vouch for him. I had known him for a long time. He's a solid dude. And um, so we shot and uh, we shot our music video for Windburner. Um, in january of 2017 after we had pretty much been writing nonstop since june mm-hmm. of 2016 um and then we announced that we were a band in may of 2017 put out our first single played our first show july of 2017 wow. so now that's literally like a year ago last week we played our first show <laughs> wow that's insane that's great i mean it's not like you don't have experience because obviously you do it's just so great to see that kind of progression. Right. Yeah. It's, it's been, it's been a long ride. It feels like, but especially considering how much time we spent working on things before anybody knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. So people were like, Hey, how long have you been a band? I'm like, well, I have two stories, you know, it's (laughs) like, well, we've been playing shows for about a year, but we've been a band together for about two years. Right. Right. And then you had sister moon come out. Now you've got the re-release. So yeah, this is actually a pretty exciting time for you, I would assume. Oh yeah, I'm 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 so stoked, man. Um, I can't wait for people to hear these songs, see these new videos, and you know, I just I just hope that our message is accepted. Oh sure, yeah. And what do you think? I mean, when I listened to it, I thought progressive metalcore. Sure. Do you like that kind of label, or do you have a different vision for what you want the band to be? Uh, I think that pretty much hits the nail on the head. Like you can certainly dive into the argument of like, you know, sub genres and all that kind of stuff. Um, We have stuff that's extremely heavy. Mm -hmm. We have stuff that's like kind of soft and beautiful. In my opinion, we have like Latin beats in, uh, in our song problems. Right. So um, it just kind of depends, man. Um, But I think, you know, uh, progressive metalcore is perfect. 
I always kind of have this joke when we're talking about the band. I'm like, all right, guys, we're either going to be the most progressive metalcore band at the <laughs> metalcore fest, like So What or something. Oh, sure. Or we're going to be the most metalcore band at like the tech fest that they have in like, you know, Europe and stuff like that. Right. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> very nice. I, I, I think we have, and especially with our new releases, um, with one of the songs being significantly softer. Yeah. Um, than some of our other songs. I think we kind of have just like a wide palette to choose from. No, it's very true. Yeah, I'm. I'm assuming. Are you talking about "Bury Me"? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, that had probably. You know, if you were to count, I can't believe anyone would ever do this. But if you were to time out how many clean vocals are on that track, it does seem like that one you have probably the most, right? Yeah, like even including our acoustic song. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which actually plays really well. Can you tell me? We'll get back to a little bit more of that in a second. But can you sure. tell me when doing the acoustic version of Winter Sleep, how does your mind work as a band to rearrange things and put it together when there's such difference? I mean, it's progressive metalcore. You've got tons of intricate technical parts, and now you make it into an acoustic track. What type of work goes into that? Oh, my God, dude. Let me tell you, like that was that was a huge challenge for all of us. Um, for starters, so of course it was my idea. <laughs> um, I was like, Andrew, we got to do an acoustic song. Um, if I, if you don't mind me, like kind of diving a little bit more to the song meaning as well. Absolutely. Um, I wrote the song uh, about my grandfather who passed away. Oh. And um, I really wanted to have something that um, that like in a hypothetical situation that I could like you know show him too. Not that he wouldn't be proud of, you know, the the band we are and all that kind of stuff, but mm -hmm. um, just something that I felt like, you know, he would find just as special as I did. Right. And so, you know, we had done talks about doing like a stripped down version of a song, an acoustic song. I was like, all right, if we're doing acoustic, it's got to be winter sleep. Um, and so it, Andrew had to sit down and basically recompose the song entirely um, on guitar. Wow. And so that took him a couple weeks to, to get a finished product that he was really proud of. Mm -hmm. Um, once he did that, um, Josh went in and, um, he programmed or, uh, he recorded, excuse me, all, uh, live, uh, I believe the instrument was called Cajon. It's like a, a wooden box type drum oh. percussion deal. Okay. Um, and so that was a huge challenge for him because that's not an instrument that he plays. That's not an instrument that he plays on like any sort of regular basis. Right. right. Uh, and then for me. Going into the studio, I wanted to challenge myself to try to record a different song, if that makes sense. Yeah. You might hear a lot of familiar mel melodies mm -hmm. um, when you listen to the acoustic version, but at the same time, I wanted to make sure that it was different. It had its own vibe. So um, there are some parts where it's like, obviously, I would have been screaming on the original track. Right. Um, so, you know, how do I make this moment just as impactful when it's a totally different feeling? So all the heavy riffs were, you know, soft, beautiful, be uh, soft, beautiful, you know, guitar parts. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know. I, it, I, I feel like I really pushed myself on that song. Yeah. Like I pushed myself to my creative boundaries harder than pretty much any of the other ones. Wow. No, that's very impressive. And yeah, not only is it an acoustic track, but it's almost like, a reimagined track sure yeah so yeah i really enjoy that because you know sometimes a band will put out an acoustic version of something and it's like okay you know 
I'm still going to listen to the original because I kind of like that better. This is almost like you said, it's almost like a brand new song. Right. And it's something that you really latch on to and that I did as well. So, yeah, I very much enjoy that. So it's, it's nice to hear the background of how that comes together because, yeah, I'm assuming and just like you said, it's just not easy to do. Right. No, very true. Yeah, and um, and and listening to both tracks, you know, both definitely hold a special place in my heart. But mm-hmm. uh, honestly, I, I favor the acoustic version, um, especially as like a re, like you said, a reimagined version. So it's like I would encourage you, like, hey, if you're gonna listen to the whole album, obviously listen to it in order. Listen to the original Winter Sleep, but mm-hmm. then when you listen to the reimagined version, it kind of like. I don't know, it kind of opens you up more emotionally, I feel like. Sure. That's the intent, at least. <laughs> right, right. Now, when you go to play live, will you ever do the acoustic version live? That's a good question. Um, as of right now, um, you know, our plans are to play every single track we have at least once at one point. Okay. Um, so over the last year of playing shows... Um, there are two tracks on the original Sister Moon that we still haven't played live yet. Um, and so when the Sister Moon Deluxe Edition drops, um, we're going to have, if you if you count um, the Winter Sleep Acoustic version, that'll be five songs that we haven't played live. Right. The two new ones, um, both versions of Winter Sleep. And then, <laughs> ironically enough, the title track, Sister Moon, has not been played live yet other than the, uh, the end break, or sorry, one of the middle breakdowns. Oh, okay. Now, is that because of the feature with Sam Jacobs? Uh, not necessarily. We've kind of talked about, you know, what we would do in that situation. I don't doubt Andrew's guitar playing skills. Um, and as far as like, you know, obviously like it could be played. Um, I know he's kind of played around with like his own version of the solo and stuff like that. Ah. Um, obviously, if we ever played a show with Intervals, um, who is the band that uh, Sam Jacobs fills in for. Right. Um, and may actually be a member of now, if I'm not mistaken. But um, if we ever play with them, obviously we can make it happen. But otherwise, um, we just haven't really decided what we would do there. Okay. What's the other track? Did I miss it when you said that? Uh, it would just be Winter Sleep. Oh, okay. So you haven't played Winter Sleep and you haven't played Sister Moon. Correct. And then every other song we've played. Oh, wow. Okay. So you even played the end track as well. Mm-hmm. The Endeavor. Okay, yeah. Because that is... Isn't that like eight or nine minutes? So when we play it live, um, we have a shorter intro and then a much shorter outro. Ah, okay. Um, so we we managed to squeeze in everything in six minutes. All right. That makes a little bit more sense then. Now, right. <laughs> when you go out on tour, would you be opposed to playing the entire thing if you could? Uh, if we could, honestly, I would love to. Um if if anything, I would probably um, try to rearrange the order of some of the songs. Oh, okay. Um, so just as an example, um, I think Delirium is an awesome track. It's it's short, it's fast paced, high energy. It doesn't really matter what kind of crowd we play to; it always gets good reactions. Oh, good. But um, in a live set, I always want to end on it rather than play it and then play two so- much softer songs. You know? Ah, uh, sure. That's not bad. And now. This isn't a concept album, right? Uh, no. Okay. All right. So you can go ahead and change around the whole format if you want to. But yeah, that, that makes sense. Now, would you do a concept album in the future? I definitely wouldn't be opposed to it. Um, you know, uh, and maybe more along the lines of like a concept EP, kind of like what the Devil Wars product does with uh, space and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, 
we don't have any plans for it, but I, like I said, I'm certainly not opposed to it. Okay. Yeah. I think the way your band is so technical, like the melodic things that you're able to do, it's almost like it's telling a story by itself. Not only do you have sure. yourself, yeah, yourself as a vocalist, but also the technical instrumentation though, is also telling a story as well. So you guys might be really, really good at that. Yeah. I appreciate that, man. Thanks. Oh, absolutely. And look, I'm going to give you more compliments because <laughs> I thought your vocals on that album are amazing. Dude, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Look, I have a huge respect for not only vocalists in general, but then also vocalists that can do such a wide range of unclean vocals and then also do a wide range of clean vocals as well. You're doing both. And that's, I don't know, that's always crazy to me. Yeah, man, it, it's it's a lot of work. I um, I, I really appreciate you calling that out because I went into the studio uh, basically just trying to push myself uh, as hard as I could, mm-hmm. um, trying to display like my entire diverse range, all my you know all the things that influence me. Um, I tried uh, to you know uh, use lows and mids and highs and not just stick to like one specific range. Right. Um, you know, I wanted to do soft beautiful clean singing and then like like abrasive but also in the same respect kind of beautiful clean singing as far as like you know the pitch screaming that i do the high pitched yep kind of um yelling singing almost if if you will no absolutely and i think that comes across very very well in the album i mean because not only the work that you do but you can really tell the passion that you have as well. And I think that's one of the things that sticks out about the band a lot is not only, you know, when you think progressive metalcore, you know, you kind of think, or progressive metal in general, you always go, okay, well, they're going to have lots of technical guitar work. They're going to have a lot of, you know, technical instrumentation. But with your vocal range that you're working with, you're also putting a ton of passion in there, which I think sometimes gets lost. You know, sometimes with other bands, it it happens. I don't think that happens with your band. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Um, You know, I just I just felt like, you know, going into the studio, essentially, you know, I I've got a lot of, you know, talented musicians in my band with me and they push themselves uh, to their limits. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like I needed to do the same thing, you know. Absolutely. Now, did you have any lessons in the past? Is this all self-taught? Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, pretty much everything I do um, was self-taught. Wow. So I remember like being in high school and just being told time and time again, like, oh, you're tone deaf or, oh, you're bad or, wow. you know, you can't sing, you can't scream. Like, and to be quite honest, like they were right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, I was pretty lousy. Okay. Uh, All right. Just when I, when I started, but you know what? Like I, I literally told myself like, Hey, you know what? Like, I don't have to be the best, but this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I want to do. Like to be quite honest with my life, this is what I want to do with my life. Right. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to own it. And I'm going to get to the point where I don't think I suck. <laughs> and then once I get there, I'm going to focus on, you know, I'm going to find a good band. I'm going to find a great group of guys who, who want the same thing, have the same vision. And I'm going to make something that I'm proud of. And hopefully everybody else can be proud of it too. And, um, I remember the first time I actually thought I sounded good screaming. I was like, mm, maybe like a junior in high school, maybe okay. going into senior year. And 
Um, I was sitting in the car listening to like, you know, just top 40 on the radio thinking of like, <laughs> how sick would it be if they did a screamo cover of this song? And I just ah. started screaming along. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, do you remember what song that was? Yeah, it was uh, Like a G6. <laughs> <laughs> Not proud of that, but. <laughs> now, wait, did I miss, because I like to do research, you know, when, you know, before I'm doing an interview. Did you go and actually do that cover and I just missed it? No, 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 thank God. <laughs> I had to check. I had to check. Well, that is actually something that's really interesting because, I mean, not only your story in general, but then also a lot of times that is how bands, you know, get pretty popular is by doing those screamo or whatever, you know, metal covers of, you know, top 40 songs. So right. if you could, or is there ever a future plan that you and the band would do something like that? Okay, I want to go on record as saying um, Lost in Separation must do a Drake cover. I don't care what song. It could be <laughs> rap. It could be one of his soft singing songs. I have been trying since, like, I think probably the second day that they were like, all right, you're in the band. I've been trying to push a Drake cover. Ah. Don't care what song. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, why is everyone opposed to it? They just hate Drake? No, everybody loves Drake. Um, but I think I just kind of like drove that point in too hard. And they're like, all right, man, we get it. You want to do it. But we got other things to work on. You know, we got a, we got a, a deluxe edition of Sister Moon to put out. And true. we got shows to play and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> no, very true. Very true. But that would be really interesting because a lot of people are doing that now right you know drake is a very popular artist to do screamo covers and all that kind of stuff so makes complete sense post malone too like everyone's oh, about doing that i would dude in a heartbeat um what's what's the song off his new album um blame it on me that oh, one's like i've heard of that so yep. good okay see i am so this is where i'm always a little different from people i really only listen to rock and metal like rock okay. and metal and subgenres. So I know, you know, when Post Malone puts out an album because people talk about it, but I am really bad. Like now when I hear, you know, the punk goes covers, you know, all that kind of stuff, I mm -hmm. don't know any of the songs that they're actually covering. Oh, that's funny, dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't hear any radio. And I know people who have listened to the show know that about me. I just never hear anything top 40s. I never hear any of it. Dang, dude, that's so funny. Um, I mean, to be quite honest, like for the most part, I never truly feel like you'd be missing out on anything. Sure. Um, there are a lot of hidden gems and there are a lot of, a lot of artists that I have a great deal of respect for, but at the end of the day, um, I feel like you kind of got to scrape through the muck to find them sometimes, you know? <laughs> uh, sure. Well, now what do you normally listen to? Like, I'm sure you like your own music as well, but like when you're traveling around, when you're going out to maybe... Do you go out, you know, to the scene in Dallas and, you know, support other local bands? Do you go see certain bands when they come around as well? Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, as far as our local scene goes, there are a couple really, really solid bands that I support. Um, the Optimist, Far From Earth, Bloodline, uh, Unity. Oh, sure. And uh, Ballista, to name a few. Kind of all different genres mm -hmm. of, you know, metal, hardcore, all kinds of stuff. Um but then, you know, I'll, you know, I, I have a Drake tickets uh, in September. He's ah. actually coming on my birthday. So, oh, okay. you know, I support the bigger <laughs> artists too. <laughs> sure. <laughs> no, it's just, it's always funny when I hear people talk about Drake. I honestly, I only remember him from Degrassi. Dude, yeah, wheelchair Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, I grew up with it. I mean, I, I can't help it. Anytime I see him, I'm just like, yeah, that's Jimmy. 
Yep. <laughs> it's Jimmy Brooks. But anyways, um, see, tangents once again. So going back to your music in general, mm-hmm. so you talk about, you know, you didn't have any lessons. You didn't have to do anything like that. It's all self-taught. How long did it take you to not blow out your vocals? So I'm going to be honest with you. I never really had um, any issues with vocal blowouts okay. uh, until like later on. Ah. And I've never officially had a blowout. Um, but during the recording for Sister Moon, um, there were a couple days that I went into the studio and I just quite honestly probably shouldn't have. Um, I was either like coming off of like a cold mm-hmm. or, you know, um, just really bad seasonal allergies. And, um, you know, I just really wanted to get everything done right. in a timely manner. And, um, you know, I'd go in and, you know, what I would track would be, you know, decent sounding. But my my stamina wouldn't be there. And oh, okay. um, I would have to take like, let's say if I, you know, went on that day, I'd probably have to take a couple days break afterwards mm-hmm. just because I wouldn't want to hurt my voice. But um, um, other than that, I've never really officially had vocal blowout or anything like that. Um, just so, some days, you know, sound better than others. And, sure. you know, some days I probably shouldn't have screamed. And, you know, if I'm on tour, I probably could have made it through. But, you know going in the studio for a couple hours just wasn't a good idea. Right. No, no, for sure. So then what do you do to take care of your voice so that, you know, it sounds like everything's been pretty good, but in general, what do you do for your vocals? So I do a lot of warmups. I practice a lot. Okay. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar with the Melissa Cross videos. Yeah. She's like that, like, um, that metal, um, vocal instructor for anybody who's listening who doesn't know. Um, uh, so I've actually watched a lot of her videos. I do a lot of the warm-ups that she teaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a couple of warm-ups that I've just kind of learned over the years or kind of seen in like YouTube tutorials and stuff like that, which I don't watch a lot of. Right. right. But um, um, I drink a lot of water and I pretty much only drink water and tea. I don't drink soda, coffee, alcohol. I mean, I'm not opposed to alcohol. Sure. Like. Um, but I, I I do my best to avoid it solely because I'm the vocalist of a band. I don't have any moral objection to alcohol. Right, right, right. Wow. <laughs> but, um, man. Yeah, so it's, you know, uh, it's taken a little bit of a toll on my social life here and there. <laughs> but uh, overall, yeah, just practicing and hydration, you know, scales. Um, yeah. One thing I do that a lot of that I feel like is extremely underrated mm-hmm. um, is anytime we're playing a show or I'm in a live show environment. I have at least one earplug in so that I can hear myself talking. So when people come over to talk about, you know, like, you know, buy merch or talk about the set or, yep. you know, just in, in general, just try to network. I want to make sure that I can hear myself talking at a reasonable volume. So even if the other person can't hear me because it's so loud, at least I know how loud I'm being. Ah, OK. So that way you don't overstress your vocals thinking that you're being too you, like not knowing if you're being loud or not. Exactly. And honestly, that's that's, in my opinion, like the biggest culprit for like vocal damage is like yelling after your set, you know? Oh, okay. Just over the music. Wow, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. And by the way, I wasn't even laughing before about the alcohol thing. Like I totally get that. My vice would be the soda thing. And I oh my drink God, that I shit. love Coke. <laughs> uh, I drink it all the time. That would be the toughest one. And I, I mean, I'm obviously not putting as much stress on my vocals as you are. You know, you're doing amazing clean vocals and, you know, unclean vocals. I'm talking on podcasts, but 
as you continue to go on and you're doing like hours of podcasting, it does take a toll for sure. So maybe of I do course. have to like, yeah, maybe I have to stop doing the soda and stuff. Like that's an actual possibility. Well, I would never encourage you not to do you. <laughs> right, right. But, uh, you know, if you, if you feel like that's something you need to do, then I'll support that. Yeah. Well, look, if Coke Zero hasn't come around to sponsor me yet, I should just get rid of it. Dude, honestly, if Arizona Green Tea doesn't sponsor <laughs> me, that's one thing I actually didn't mention. So, um, like I said, I do drink a lot of water and I do drink tea. Yep. Um, I, I like a lot of, you know, herbal tea, black tea, you know, um, all kinds of stuff. I'm actually on my dad's side. I'm half Persian. So I love some Persian tea. Oh, okay. But yeah. um, Arizona green tea, that is also part of my warm up. So I will, um, you know, if I'm drinking like a bottle of water, I might take a couple, couple swigs of green tea, but specifically Arizona. I don't know why it coats my throat. Yeah. It feels really nice. Listen to that, Arizona. <laughs> I'm going to tweet them. And link so, this, yep, so that you will get that sponsorship. Honestly, we've already emailed them, and we haven't heard back yet. Ah, but. <laughs> curses. I don't know. I, I don't even know how that sponsorship stuff really works anymore, but it would be interesting. And I have seen bands that are, like, do you ever do Vocal Zone at all? Uh, no. I've tried that before. It's just, I mean, I don't know if it actually does anything, but mm-hmm. I've seen bands be sponsored by them, and, you know, their vocalists will take it, like, right before they do a right. show or something like that. But I don't really oh. know how much that works, you know? Yeah, I have to look into that. But it's like you said, you have your policy, you have your regimen that you work through, and it seems to have really done well for you. It either works well or it just like, it's like a mental placebo. Like, as long as I do these things, <laughs> I think I'm going to be good and therefore, you know, I, I perform. <laughs> right, right. Very true. Well, let's get back to the writing process you had mentioned that a little bit you know especially when we were talking about the acoustic version all that kind of stuff i'm a big fan of finding out how bands like to write so when you were going in to do sister moon how did you guys end up writing everything uh so going into sister moon um kind of takes me back to when uh i first started messaging andrew and exchanging demos and all that kind of stuff so with totally different names he sent me uh death wish and wasted youth which are um the two singles that we have music videos coming out for right well one's already out and one will be out um and problems all right uh and then but all all of these are actually problems have the same name but all these had different names and a couple little minor tweaks and adjustments so he sent me all of those and that's when I was like, okay, I listened to Death Wish the first time all the way through, mm-hmm. and I was like, I absolutely have to be in this band. There's ah, no question about that. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> um, and so so some of these songs are pre-written, but then others, like um, take, for example, The Endeavor, um, weren't even ideas. Or they, 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 Sorry, let me rephrase that. They may have just been ideas, ah. and then we kind of fleshed them together, and you know, there was like a, a chain of like, you know, he would send me a, a, a track, and I'd give him some feedback on it, make some uh, suggestions, he would do some edits, and then at the end of the day, we'd have a finalized product that we okay. were all happy with. Mm-hmm. Josh would go in and then finish drums. Ah, okay. So were you completely in charge of all lyrics and vocals you know, for the whole entire thing? Um, as far as like finalizing them and writing them and c- constructing melodies, yes. Okay. Um, there are a couple parts in the album that like 
you know, someone might have, like, for example, Andrew, he will send me a couple paragraphs of something and say, hey, um, I like these lyrics. What do you think? And I'd be like, okay, let me read through it. I would take some of the lines that I like mm-hmm. and then add them to something that I already have. But as far as like composing them and, um, and, and finalizing them, it was always me. And I wrote pretty much the rest of the lyrics. Ryan and Andrew actually collaborated on one of the verses in uh, Bury Me, which oh. is pretty exciting. Yeah. But then I, like I said, I finalized it. Okay. All right. So you're taking, you know, some suggestions from the band to kind of complete your vision of what you feel right. you need to put out there. That makes total sense. Now, when you're writing yourself, when you're doing those lyrics, how do you normally write? Is it something where you decide like, hey, I want to write about this topic? Or is it something that comes to you completely organically? So... I don't really have um, a writing formula. Okay. And I know that's kind of weird, but both things you said um, are methods that I've used. So let me let me take um, Windburner as an example mm-hmm. and Death Wish as an example. So I wrote Death Wish lyrically. Um, I would say probably like seventy five percent of like the song mm-hmm. I actually wrote in the I'm not in a band right now limbo. Ah. And, um, it's just, I was just writing like lyrics that I, like I was, you know, it's almost more so like poetry. Like I was just writing my thoughts down and just constructing them in a way that felt poetic and felt like I got my point across. And obviously, you know, once I actually decided, okay, these lyrics are going to go for this song, I, you know, kind of pieced them together and, and edited them as needed as, as, as it needed to be right. uh, to fit the song. And then Windburner is another song that I, I just, but in this case, I just sat down and I had the track and I just wrote to it. Okay. And so I just pencil and paper just wrote down, you know, I had an idea of like, I want to write a song about like being lost in a winter barren landscape, but right. um, in a metaphorical sense, you know, talking about like me struggling with faith and stuff like that. And so sure. I just wrote it down, start to finish listening to the song. And then of course I went and tweaked it, but um, it, it, it just kind of depends sometimes. I'll think of a cool lyric or a cool idea and I'll just jot it down and revisit it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I write an entire song having no idea what it's going to sound like. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So yeah, you can even write without having that music to go off of. Right. And sometimes I write to the music. Right. Now, once you've completed that part, you've you know written some melodies, you've gone back and forth with Andrew and whoever just to you know kind of put everything together. How do you decide then when you're going to do clean vocals, when you're going to do unclean vocals, and which style you're going to use? So sometimes, you know, I kind of like, I hear something, and even just like the first listen through, I'm like, all right, this is going to be clean here. This is going to be like a pitch scream. This is going to be straightforward chorus singing. This is going to be, you know, a little bit of an experimental section. Um, So sometimes I write it in like, as I'm writing the song, I kind of map it out. Yeah. And then sometimes I'll just be in the studio and I'm like, Hey, you know what? Pause, go back 15 seconds. I'm going to put some cleans there for like whatever reason. I just decided to do that. Sometimes Ah. it works. Sometimes it doesn't, but um, sometimes it just kind of go with the flow. If it it feels right in that moment, it could be like a breakthrough of an idea or it could just be another scrap idea, you know? Ah, now, does your choice on whether to do that or not also get affected by what you're able to do when you play live as well? Uh, 
Not so much. Okay. Um, there are some songs, like, for example, like The Endeavor. I have a really high note in all the choruses, but then, like, pro- I think the highest note I sing on the album at the very end of the song. Ah, okay. Um, and depending on, like, let's say, hypothetically, if we play The Endeavor, we typically play it third or fourth if it's in our set. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually by that time, um, if I'm having, like, a normal slash decent or even really good vocal day, I, I usually have no problem, you know, even hitting that note, even after I've played, like, you know, a couple heavy songs or right. screamed a lot. Okay. But, um, you know, if I know, like, hey, um, you know, today is, you know, like not going to be as good of a day as normal or the day before was, I might say, hey, instead of the endeavor being in that spot, let's move it up or, you know, maybe even put another song there or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, otherwise, it kind of just depends. Uh, there's not really anything on the album that I couldn't do live, um, but there are some, you know, just parts that, you know, it it might sound better if we play it earlier than later, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, that definitely does. Now, do you have any, because I haven't been able to see you live yet, have you been able to, when you do these tracks and when you're going through everything, does anyone do backup vocals for any of the transitions in the tracks? Uh, So Andrew uh, typically does um, uh, just like kind of backup screaming and a little bit of singing uh, as well as Ryan. Okay. Um, but my, in my personal opinion, I'd like to get to the point where... Um, uh, we have we're a little more rehearsed as far as what kind of backups we do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just my personal like my two cents. Sure. Um, but yeah, in any case, uh, either of them might do backup vocals. Andrew actually does a couple just supplemental layers in the background on um, problems, death wish, and delirium. Oh, okay. All right. And Ryan does a couple screamed lines on uh, ghosts. Oh, very cool. In the future, I would anticipate and hope to see um, a lot more recorded vocals from them, even if it's just backups and layers and stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that would be something to look forward to and look out for in the future as well. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Now, I love that. I love when a band is able to have a lot of different voices in it as well, because you get everyone's unique kind of style. So I think that works out really well. And then obviously it takes a little bit of pressure off of you when you're live that you can actually maybe catch your breath while exactly. you know, some other things are going on. So yeah, that totally makes sense. Let me ask you about the singles in general as well. Yeah. So you had Death Wish, and then that you have the brand new music video for. Tell me why the choice of Death Wish, and then why you chose that one for a music video. Sure, sure. Um, so I just want to clarify really quick, um, like why we chose Death Wish um, as a song to shoot a video for and then like why we shot that specific video is that what you're asking i always find it interesting too to see why a band chooses a certain song as a single compared to another one as well sure sure going into um the stage of you know finalizing everything and deciding which songs were going to be music videos we looked into you know a couple different things i wanted to make sure we had a song that was unique powerful had a great message behind it and could stand alone as a single sure so death wish uh was the song that just seemed like an obvious choice to me Mm -hmm. uh number one 
like I said earlier, that was the song that I listened to, and I was like, I have to be in this band. Right. right. So my hope was that listening to it, someone's like, I have to support this band. You know, I have to check them out because this song just spoke to me. Very true. Um, that would be my hope. Um, so it's funny because we actually shot Windburner, like I said, over a year ago. Right. Um, and as we're driving home, and you know, I was I, I thought about like, okay, Windburner has a super catchy chorus. It has our weirdest breakdown. But overall, it's a very solid song. So driving home, I was like, dang, we should have shot a video for Death Wish. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then obviously, you know, things come full circle. We ended up shooting one and we're incredibly proud of it. Um, We kind of went for a darker vibe for the video Mm -hmm. simply because the song itself has a much darker vibe. With that being said, um, Lost in Separation will always preach you know, a message of positivity, acceptance, open-mindedness. Sure. But that song in particular um, can be um, pretty negative at times. Right. Um, but we always kind of look for, like, the balance between, like, life and death, good and evil, all that kind of stuff. And um, we look at terrible things that are going on in the world around us from a positive light. Right. Right. No, that's a good message. That is definitely a good message. So when you're doing or when you're deciding, mm-hmm. you know, hey – we're definitely going to do a music video for that. How did you conceptualize the actual shoot? And then also, you had mentioned that Ryan was doing music videos before, correct? So did he help mm-hmm. with these? Yeah. So, you know, um, like I said, um, going into Death Wish, we were looking at, you know, basically just looking at contrasting elements, you know. So, like, the song itself is about pretty much all the terrible things that are going on in the world around us, such as, like, war, famine, poverty, you know, racism, all kinds of stuff. And, and just kind of trying to like take those negative things and, and essentially come out on the other side, a better person. Right. And so initially death wish was supposed to be, um, like a very like white and black, very contrasting video. There was supposed to be like flowers blooming and then tank exploding and stuff like that. in the next Ah. shot, but looking at the song and its meaning and then looking at wasted youth, which is another song, another song that we have a music video for, we kind of saw it as like, these are the two contrasting elements because death wish is about all these terrible things. And wasted youth is really about standing up and, you know, standing up for what you believe in and fighting the good fight kind of no matter what, and always finding positivity in the negativity. So we kind of saw instead of making one video that shows contrasting elements, these two videos are the contrasting elements. Death ah. Wish is in like a dingy, you know, um, a warehouse, and we we shot, um, you know, everything was like abandoned and run down. We kind of shot it wearing like you know, kind of darker clothes, and then you take Wasted Youth. We shot it in like an upscale, you know, high rise apartment in Uptown Dallas, and you know, the sun setting. We're all dressed nice, and it's a beautiful ah. video. Okay. Um, and so those are kind of like the two contrasting elements, if you will. So like, um, I feel like that encapsulated the the vision pretty well. We shot with Alex Kubasatos, I believe is how you say it. Kubasatos, Alex, uh, from Black Wolf Imaging. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, And, you know, um, this is a plug for him. So, um, if you're ever considering making a music video, he is 100% the guy to go to. He's made uh, some great stuff. Yeah, Yeah. 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 He's, he's he's pretty spectacular. Um, but yeah, we shot with him and, um, Ryan did help a little bit as far as like, you know, giving ideas, um, actually helped with some of the equipment as well. But for the most part, um, 
we just kind of trusted Alex and his creative vision and he delivered 100%. So Wasted Youth, when is that music video going to come out? So that actually does come out the day the album drops. Awesome. And um, we haven't announced that as of right now, uh, but um, listening to this, you'll know that. So (laughs) right. Exactly. Okay. It's kind of going to come out as as a surprise release. Oh, great. Okay. All right. So we talked about the new music video coming out. Now, I remember going back and watching Windburner, and you were a five-piece back then. Now you're a four-piece. Can you tell me the behind-the-scenes story of that a little bit? Yeah, of course. So, um, you know, Brandon was in the band. Uh, When I was exchanging demos with Andrew, I also was having a conversation with him. He was actually the one who reached out to me first. Um, So he's, you know, he's obviously a really good friend of mine. Um, you know, as it turns out, he just kind of decided that the band thing wasn't really for him anymore. He wanted to focus more on like his church and the music they were making there ah. and, uh, all that kind of stuff. Obviously he's still like a day one homie, a really <laughs> good friend. He comes to almost all of our shows. Nice. Now I say that, but listening to this, I know my bandmates aren't going to agree. We give <laughs> him a really hard time about it. We always, our joke with him is, uh, quote unquote, next time, bro. But uh, <laughs> no, he's he's a really good friend, and dude, he comes to our shows. He still does merch. You know, oh, he helps nice. us load in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he definitely has a sense of urgency and a sense of duty when it comes to the band, even though he's no longer a part of it. Right. Um, we played maybe like two or two shows ago. We actually played. Um, we let him come up on stage and do our outro, which is a, the Sister Moon breakdown. So he came up and did that, and that was kind of fun. Oh, it's but cool. um. You know, at the end of the day, um, you know, it's it's a bummer that he's gone. Like, he was part of that dream and that vision. But, you know, he's still a great friend. He's still a good supporter. And, um, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out. Right. Now, do you think you're going to continue on as a four-piece? Or do you think you're going to be missing anything later on? So, from a business perspective, I think the smartest thing to do is to continue on as a four-piece. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, we have agreed to move on business as usual. If for any reason somebody comes across and we feel compelled to, you know, give them a tryout and, and, and see where things go. We're all ears for sure. I know going into it, um, you know, Andrew is an incredibly talented guitar player slash songwriter slash composer. Right. We want somebody who is on that same level um, or at least on a similar level can write together Right. Um, and they can collaborate together with somebody who's, you know, not shady or anything like that. But um, <laughs> uh, with that being said, you know, we're always welcome to, you know, we always welcome, you know, tryout videos and stuff like that. But we're not actively searching. Okay. If we do bring somebody into the fold, I want to make sure my my most important point is that they can do backup vocals, particularly singing. Right. Right. Um, so I want, you know, full harmonies live. I want somebody who can, you know hit most of the high notes if not all of them mm-hmm. um definitely don't um they don't have to be you know on the same level as you know myself but um that that certainly would not be a problem if they were <laughs> right right all right no that's good to know okay well garrett i think we covered i think we've covered a ton of what makes lost and separation lost and separation this was awesome so let me ask you a non-music question so yeah. what do you do besides music to pass the time are you a movies guy you know what do you normally do what's your hobbies what do you do for fun 
So I'm glad that you asked that because typically when I'm talking to people, I'm always talking about music being that hobby, sure. you know? <laughs> sure. Um, so, you know, outside of the band, um, I am like a huge dog lover. I have two dogs at home. Cool. They are my like pride and joy. Um, you know, so if you follow me on Instagram and Facebook, you'll see lots of dogs, even <laughs> other people's dogs. Right. What, uh, um, what type of dogs? Uh, so I have two dogs right now. I have a Pekingese poodle mix and a, um, a retriever Australian cattle dog mix. And they're, oh. uh, Jake and Lincoln respectively. Oh, wow. Wait. So the size difference must be pretty immense, right? Oh yeah. We got a seven pound <laughs> dog and like a 30 pound dog. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Gotcha. Very nice. Very nice. And then other than that, um, I love traveling, which is great if you want to be a musician. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, whether that be across the country, all over the world, mm -hmm. um, I, I just, I love traveling. I can't get enough of new people, uh, new cultures, new food. Yeah. Um, spend a lot of time with my girlfriend doing that. Um, nice. What else? What was um, the last, sorry, if you don't mind me asking, what was the last country that you went to? The last country that I visited, um, I don't know if you really count the Bahamas because it's right there. Yeah, it's still cool. So yeah, we can count that. Otherwise, yeah. like my last big trip was to Turkey. Oh, okay. I've been there. Yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, where? So I just went to Istanbul. Nice. Uh, that's where I went. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did. Uh, it was like this cruise that would go to different like major spots so it went to Greece as well like i've lived in Greece before so it was like going back home kind of thing dude badass yeah yeah it was nice the only thing i'll tell you this though istanbul turkey beautiful country the one thing that i can't stand though i don't like being touched by strangers oh yeah i'm with you there yeah <laughs> that was the tougher part like everyone loves the bazaars and like all that kind of stuff but i don't like people trying to sell me things all the time and trying to touch me in order to do that mm -hmm. you know what i mean oh i'm with you man um so yeah i went i went to istanbul as well um you know saw all the bazaars and all that kind of stuff and right. yeah i could totally agree like i uh, <laughs> my inside joke was uh i'll pay you like so i with my family yeah um and me and my sister would like just joke around like i can't wait to tell somebody like i'll pay you to just leave me alone yes. like <laughs> I'll pay you to fuck off, you know? Like, <laughs> and they would, too. I think right. I, I might have even done that when I was right. there it's just too much. But, yeah, no, tell me about the Bahamas because I've never done a trip like that before. It sounds like yeah. it would be, you know, amazingly relaxing. Dude, seriously, like, it was probably the most chill, like, four days of, like, my entire life. Very cool. So I went with a girlfriend mm -hmm. and her mom, her older sister, and now uh, her older sister's fiance. They actually got engaged on the trip, which ah, is really cool. Very nice. But um, we went there um, in December, right before Christmas. Mm -hmm. And I just got – and now, okay, I say – I told you earlier I don't drink very much. Right. But I got day drunk every <laughs> single day. <laughs> I just chilled on the beach drinking pina coladas. There and at go. one point, I remember – I got drunk at 10 a.m. on a boat after <laughs> snorkeling. I actually came home, took a four-hour nap on the beach. There got, like, go. totally sunburned, but it was worth it. <laughs> Very nice. Very relaxing. <laughs> Very nice. So after travel, what else do you do for fun? Uh, I exercise a lot. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know why I didn't mention this earlier, talking about um, my voice, but 
as a vocalist, I think it's incredibly important to do cardio. Yes. So I run about 15 miles a week. Nice. Nice. And I bike about like 20 or 30, depending on like weather. Oh, sure. Um, so I exercise a lot and that's actually one of my favorite things to do, which is apparently unheard of, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I like to do that a lot, but I prefer like cardio over, you know, weights and stuff like that. Okay. All right. Gotcha. I have a, yeah, I, I just get hurt when I weightlift too much. I don't know why, but (laughs) (laughs) well, it sounds like you have a pretty full schedule then. It sounds like you're not ever not busy. Yeah. You're pretty like you're, you're, you're you're hitting the nail on the head there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. I, um, I do find time here and there to just kind of sit and relax. Um, I actually have the next two days off, so that's, oh, I don't plan on doing anything, but maybe a couple runs, but then just chilling at home with my dogs. Right. Oh, that you sounds know, great. Keeping the phone on, do not disturb. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way to do it. That is definitely the way to do it. Well, Garrett, I think we are all good here. I mean, that was great, you know, learning all about loss and separation. And then we are going to, obviously, if this does not come out, before July 13th, I am going to be plastering it all over social media that the brand new re-release of Sister Moon is coming out July 13th. So everyone's going to know about it no matter what, and hopefully they will listen. I'll have links in the description of the episode so that people can you know, follow the band on Facebook and Twitter and everything so that they can go ahead and you know, hopefully pre-order if this comes out before. If not, at least pick up the re-release of Sister Moon. Until then, though, what is the best way for people to support you? Uh, I'm gonna be quite honest with you, man. Um, you know, if 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 you feel at all moved by any of the music, anything you've heard here today, I would say, you know, check out our record, pick up a copy if you would, you know, maybe even order a T-shirt, and honestly, just try to spread the word. You know, like mm-hmm. if you live in the Dallas Fort Worth area, like obviously you will see each other soon. We'll be playing shows. We're branching out regionally, um, even planning some stuff on the West Coast. But you know. Tell your friends about us. Tell your family about us. You know, try to support by picking something up and just getting the word out. Right. That is definitely the best way to do it. And like I said, we'll have all that taken care of. I really enjoyed our conversation tonight. Thank you so much for doing it. And good luck with everything. Yeah, man. Thank you. This is like an absolute pleasure to be a part of this. I look forward to, um, you know, sharing this when it's on the air and hopefully doing this again sometime soon. Oh, for sure. No, definitely. I know. You guys are going to be working nonstop, right? I mean, obviously, the focus is on this re-release. But like you mentioned, you know, I think at the beginning of the conversation, you're going to have new music that you're working on already. So I'm sure that's going to happen a little bit down the road. And yeah, you're definitely going to have to come back and tell me about the entire process. Hell yeah, man. Well, I'm looking forward to it.
I am back. That track was Death Wish off the deluxe reissue of Sister Moon. Thank you very much to Garrett for taking the time out to be on the show. I can't wait to do it again. Another thank you goes to Alex for helping set all of this up. Make sure to check out the links in the description of the episode to pick up your copy of Sister Moon and anything else Lost in Separation has. Make sure to spread their music around. Support these guys. They definitely deserve it. And if you liked what you heard and want more, follow the other links in the description of the episode to support me, Ian Hates. Thanks to all of you for listening. It really means a lot to me. We're going to end this episode with Wasted Youth. Make sure to check out the new music video for it. And I will leave you the way I always do. Long days and pleasant nights. Thanks, everyone. I feel it, I feel it, I feel it.